Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs. Um, I am joined here with Biliana Kroll, and she is um, originally from Macedonia in Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. right? And she lived there till yeah. she was 18, and then she's she moved to Michigan, I guess, and right. did her undergrad mm-hmm. or did did your undergrad in fashion design. So we're gonna see the whole gamut today about where she's gone and. She has an MA um, from SCAD, and then she's getting another, an MFA, an illustration right now, currently. And it's a, um, it's not like you live there and you go, it's a uh, distance program. So she goes for a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And it's at Mary Washington, is that right? Right. So it's kind of a neat program, too. Right. There you go. Sorry. Too many, too many things in my brain today. Um, but she, I found her. She is an amazing um, letterer, so of course, an amazing illustrator. And I, I, we're inundated because next week we have another uh, type person. Um, but she just, it's so fantastic. And it, um, anyway, so I can't wait to show you. And we get to actually see some of her process. So. Um, without further ado, thank you so much for coming, and um, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself a little bit better than what I did, but I'm sure I messed it up a little bit. But. Oh, no, you did great. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, just a few uh, changes, actually. Um, I didn't get my MA uh, until 2009. Um, I, when I came to the States, I actually came for high school. I ended up being in high school for five years, which was not cool. But <laughs> um, I ended up going to a really cool high school. It's called Interlochen Arts Academy. And uh, it has specific uh, focus on just various arts. And I was definitely interested in visual arts. So that's what I kind of put my focus in and specifically uh, fiber arts. So that's how my whole journey started here in the States. Uh, but after that, I applied for colleges and yeah, um, I went for fashion and interior merchandising. So thank and my masters in graphic it's design. It's such a difference, but you can see your expertise in your illustrations of, of people because of your fashion design background, which I think is pretty cool. So yeah, it's just something I that actually, I've always been interested in, uh, just drawing in general. And I think fashion kind of came naturally to me because my grandmother was a seamstress and I love patterns mm-hmm. and just different decorations, surface decoration, things like that. So um, it all kind of fell in place, I guess, through the years. That's cool. Well, I found her through um, another spreecaster a long time ago. And it was with this piece, Never Stop Learning, and me as an educator, of course, I totally love this. And um, so, you know, there's all kinds of things that just resonate about this piece, and it's actually for sale, and I'll share the link. I have a big one on its way. I think it's a, I got two two foot by three foot. Um, But we're going to talk about, I love this blue that you use. But it it just resonates with me, and so and I think a lot of us feel like we are. I mean, as a designer, you have to be constantly learning, or or you're not going to be a very good designer because things change. So I I love this. Can you talk a little bit about what you how, why you just did this piece and 
and where it's kind of taking you? Yeah. Um, this piece actually was one in many different typography projects that I kind of took upon myself to do. Um, this one, I actually entered it into a competition that is through talenthouse.com. Uh, a student of mine uh, kind of informed me that this website exists and uh, it's a great place for illustrators and designers to kind of showcase their work and enter different competitions. And I was kind of skeptical at first. I wasn't sure if it's a real deal. And uh, it seemed um, easy enough. You just create a piece on a um, certain theme or a certain uh, sentence that they give you. And uh, this contest was organized by Udemy. Uh, they're uh, a learning platform that's online. And uh, teachers and instructors from all over the world can uh, start their own class on there. And so that was a, a really interesting new feature for me. I wanted to kind of be part of that. And I'm even considering maybe starting my own um, just a class on there too. But uh, the piece was supposed to be inspired by the um, by their kind of motto, never stop learning. And so I kind of chose a few of my favorite uh, quotes from different people, uh, as you can see, to kind of feature and, and really get uh, people to become passionate about learning and what it can do for you. And I've been a learner since I can remember, and I, it was always very important for me to get really good education. And um, I feel like I'm still learning, and there's so much more other things that I want to learn that I felt like I'm an educator and uh, a student at the same time. So it was the perfect contest for me to enter. Um, and it happened that during that time, I was really into experimenting with hand-drawn type. So I, this was just another challenge for me to kind of illustrate a whole poster in uh, just hand letter, basically design. So just a little a bit about your process, and yes, so if you uh -huh. click, if you just scroll over it, you can move it over. You can move it and put it over my face if you want, and I'll take it off the air in just a second, but if anybody's new, the chat is you can just hit the chat and you can start talking to us, um, and then you can actually roll your mouse over the poster. If it's on the poster right now, roll it off and then back on and then you can drag it wherever inside the window, the spreecast window that you want it to be. It's really uh, cool, but you can still move it so you can see Viliana's face. So um, does that help you? Does that answer your question? Yes, yes, that's what I was trying to do. It was right in front of both of us. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so how was was this done, you painted it all blue and then you wrote in white? Or did you no, actually, leave the I, white? I always, I'm sorry, yeah. um, I always no. start uh, in one way, really. I start with just black ink, but I don't want that to kind of limit me in what color the final design is. But it's just much easier and cheaper, I guess. Um, so I just buy just uh, calligraphy black India ink and um, I create these just with uh, a pen and a, a nib, basically, a pen holder and a nib, and um, then I scan it, and then I change all the colors on the computer. Uh, I, I think that's, that kind of lets me do whatever I want, and I don't have to worry about the colors so early in the process anyways until I see it on the screen and figure out really what I want to do with it. And, yeah, so, so the, that's pretty much how I start all my... Mm -hmm. 
The background looks like it's painted. Can I see some the texture a little bit in it? So are you doing something different with the background and then putting your black type, reversing it, and then putting it in the... Are you creating your background? Or are you... What are you doing? Yeah. Um, I use a lot of textures and brushes. Some of them are free downloaded from internet. Others are... Um, most of them are just smudges and things that I do anyways, and I just kind of scan it all together <laughs> and end up using some of them. Um, some of them are uh, just irregularities and mistakes and stuff that I've made, and I've just kind of left them uh, inside the final design. It was supposed to look hand-drawn, so I, I didn't really went too much over it and, and cleaning up a lot of those irregularities. So. So, and we'll see in your process, I'm going to take this one off the air, we'll see in your process on some of the other ones that you actually do start in pencil a lot of times. Is that true, or was that just the ones yeah. that I pulled? No, I think that's really the best way to start, just to figure out the kerning and the, the size of the letters and figure out whether your whole quote or the whole text that you're working with is going to fit in the space that you wanted. And then you can have a lot of fun to adding a lot of different elements around. And it's a lot faster than trying to stretch or work with text on the computer. Probably all of us have done that at some point. But I, I like figuring out those things first on a piece of paper with pen and pencil and eraser. Um, and then once I have something finalized in pencil, I clean it up with just really quickly go over it with the uh, calligraphy pen. And then I scan it. Oh, cool. All right. So... Tell us a little bit about what attracted, since you were already, even in high school, you went to an arts high school, what attracted you to design and illustration? And then tell us a little bit about your history in fashion. Well, um, right out of college, I got a job to do product design. And it was home goods, gift goods, and fashion products, too. So that was a little bit of a mixture of different things. And I kind of realized how important it is to not just be good traditionally, but you, you kind of have to know the computer as an artist. And this was early 2000s. And I was uh, still really just getting into uh, Photoshop. Actually, my first time I got into Photoshop was 2001 uh, because uh, I met my husband in college. And he introduced me. He said, oh, you do illustration. Have you heard of Photoshop? You can actually retouch your drawings there. Like, no, what is that? So that was my humble beginnings with Photoshop. But um, I got totally addicted to it. And um, right out of college, I ended up using a lot of what I've learned on my own, really, because there weren't that many classes being offered in learning the software and, and learning what you can do as an artist with it. So um, all of the stuff that I've learned, I've kind of taken uh, to my job. And I saw how important it is to know the programs, too. But I realized that I'm kind of getting more into the graphic design field, which I knew nothing about. Um, so it, that kind of made me uncomfortable when I would apply to a job that most of them required graphic design knowledge. And here I'm at with just traditional maybe artist skills and a little bit of Photoshop knowledge. And so I thought, well, I might need to go back to school and learn some graphic design. So um, that's how I got into master's program. And it was the uh, e-learning program that SCAD has. In, um, it was a really, really big eye-opener uh, as far as learning really about graphic design, the rules, and um, knowing just the history of what has been done and, and how varied it is. Um, my very limited knowledge 
was that it's all about just doing, you know, corporate brochures and maybe calendars and mouse pads and things like that. And, and it's really creative. I mean, I don't even have to say it anymore. It sounds kind of funny, but um, I just kind of ran with it and I had so much fun. Um, so that's, that's how I kind of got into graphic design particularly, but illustration, I, I think that was kind of natural to me. It just, I've, I've always done it even when I wasn't supposed to, when I was in other classes and I was just doodling, but it was just something that I've always done and um, I've, I've had so much fun with it. So it, it just came naturally to me to go for anything illustration. So, so this piece is from your kind of fashion design um, era mm -hmm. and you're starting kind of with some of these backgrounds and, and some things like that. So can you talk a little bit about um, this one and then I'm going to pull the other one up um, just how what the process is as as you change for, you know from being specifically for fashion and transitioning in um. well um, I think for artists it's just really good to be varied in in what they can do and the different techniques they can do and this piece was created in kind of 2005-2006 I want to say uh, and it was when I worked for a fashion magazine. It was uh, actually a women's magazine, but it had a really large fashion section in it too. And a lot of times uh, I would create all the illustrations that go with the stories or they would have a whole illustrative spread of, of you know, the trends of the season or something. Um, so that was a lot of fun. The editor, she was great. She let me kind of explore and create illustrations uh, just they got a pen and tablet just for me there, even though that wasn't part of the job description, but I ended up doing all of that uh, for them. So um, at that time, I was just having so much fun with uh, vector illustrations. They were kind of big at that time. So everything it did was directly done with the pen and tablet on the computer. And I kind of really proud of myself um, that I can do that. I, uh, I got really quick at it. I could do an illustration like half an hour to an hour. Uh, which my employer loved, of course, but uh, I kind of got burned out. I think <laughs> um, I did it so often and so much that I was kind of wondering, okay, what's next? What can I do next? Um, uh, this one that you're showing right now was uh, done for a Irish uh, blog site, I think, uh, Sheikonomics it was called. And it was all about fashion. And I worked really closely with the owner of the blog. And they always came to me with the story behind the illustration, what they wanted for that uh, day or for that month. And so it was kind of interesting also to kind of get a, a, a different view of what European style or fashion at that moment is and what American is. And before I knew it, I started designing more in the American way. So all the girls had that kind of class in 1950s style dresses. And um, I remember her telling me, um, yeah, this feels a little bit uh, classy and too traditional. Can you kind of spice it up a little bit and make it more funky? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> this is Europe we're talking about. So it was kind of neat to <laughs> explore the other side of the world and look at fashion from Europe too. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a freelance project that I did while I was doing my MA. That's um, cool. A lot so of then you kind of fashion. Oh, that's Mila making an entrance. Um. <laughs> she had to put her put her two <laughs> sits in. 
um, but the, uh, the fashion projects, most of them that I've had actually were freelance projects. So that was the new thing that I started seeing um, in that time from 2006 to 2009, that uh, a lot of employers started feeling more courageous to go online and look for artists online. So uh, that was kind of lucky for me that I ended up working very fortunate. So how did, how did you end projects. up, where were, where were you putting your stuff out so that people would find you? Um, at that time, there weren't that many platforms. I think Coroflot was one, uh, and Fashion Mission. And Fashion Mission, I think it's .nl, which I think it stands for Netherlands. But it was mm -hmm. just few websites that were really big at that time. And it, it was the only place that I've put my stuff on there. And I think it was just one of the first, it was not one of the first, but there weren't that many, uh, as many as there are right now, really, illustrators out there that could be found online. And it wasn't really part of any kind of um, illustrator, uh, illustrators society or anything. Um, but I can see that as being as another good venue to become a member. And um, uh, that would probably get you you can showcase your work like that too. And I actually found that her on Facebook. Uh, so on. Okay. that's. Oh I think really? It's, you just gotta, yeah, gotta know where you're. Yeah. You know, you know, people are sharing your stuff because it's so great. So it's just about putting your stuff out there. So find the thing that's great in your niche market. So for this, it was fashion, and you were finding those places. So I always think it's neat to know where people um, started and where they were putting their stuff out there. Um, so you kind of transitioned from that to doing more of things like this. Hopefully it'll come on screen. So can you talk about, I mean, because this is totally different. But it's beautiful. <laughs> I know, that's why I wanted to kind of share it, um, just to kind of show that you don't have to just do one thing. You can kind of explore whatever you feel like exploring at that moment um, and just see where it takes you. Um, this piece was actually, uh, I guess it was a personal piece, but it was intended to go in one of the books that I was creating for my classes. Um, and that started a whole nother journey. Um, when I started teaching three years ago, I realized that I couldn't really find one book that had all the material that I wanted to share with students. For example, one of the classes that I teach was digital imagery, and you have to know how to do collages and things like that in Photoshop and there's so many great tutorials out there but I would have to share I don't know 50 links with students for to get everything that they need to know so I thought well it would be great to create um, a book or two for different classes uh, a workbook that has everything in it from um, the lessons uh, exercises even the rubric everything so I just give them one book and they go on the website they can watch the tutorials as I, you know, or they can follow them in the book as um, I talk through them. And um, this piece and few other ones uh, have more personal meaning behind them, but they were really supposed to illustrate some uh, designing principles of just working with scale and, and how to create composition and, and how to com uh, compose with your own images, because most of the images uh, were taken just at different trips that I've taken to Macedonia and other places. Um, 
except for the Hubble telescope pictures. Those I borrowed from your website. <laughs> Here, let's, I'll pull up um, the next one. Yeah, that one was taken at a lake in Macedonia. And I just love that picture so much. And I wish I had the original somewhere. But um, I, I always thought, well, one day I'll end up using this picture in, in some fashion. And that day came when I had to create all this work <laughs> for the books. And I thought, why not use some of those images? <laughs> Once attention, can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, and so I ended up using some of those images that I've taken on that trip. Uh, and I created this kind of surreal um, landscape. It's cool. I'm going to, I think there's one more in this kind of, it, it, it incorporates type. So some of you are just creating these images to, as a practice, right, for, for practical use to teach. But also, I mean, these are great. I mean, they're really neat. And it helps people, or helps me as a designer, think about, wow, these are things I could do with some images that I've taken. You know, it's, um, it really is about composition and what you're putting in and what you're trying to say. So, but then you're starting to incorporate some type in. So, can you talk about that a little bit and where you started adding that part in? Um, type, I mean, type was always part of um, any decision that I would make as a designer, I guess. But um, I, I think when I kind of had to decide really which direction I want to go with it. Um, from SCAD, I, I kind of felt intimidated a little bit of what I can do, what I'm allowed to do with type, I guess. And I, I totally appreciate all those rules and regulations that we've learned of, you know, don't stretch type. And, and I, I definitely teach them. I think those are a really good basis to start with as a student. Right. Uh, but I don't want uh, students to feel intimidated that they only have to use five typefaces and nothing else. I mean, in my branding identity maybe work, I may not use a lot of different type uh, faces, but when it comes to personal work or work that allows for you to have a little bit more fun or if the client is open to creating hand-drawn type, I think it's totally um, allowed to do that. And a lot of customers I've found actually they really like that because uh, that's another element that they can say it's custom created for their business. And so I started thinking, well, what if I just use type uh, and instead of including uh, a little uh, a picture graphic of some sort in the logo what if I just do a hand-drawn type of illustration of the type or I customize some font um, and so that kind of became really popular uh, with, with people that have shared and then uh, starting with my MFA I, um, I, I kind of got the idea of illustrating uh, three uh, storybooks um, and I thought well, I love storybooks and I've always liked them, but one thing that I hated about most of them is that the type was always said by probably some graphic designer in-house instead of the illustrator. Um, and I don't think a lot of illustrators have input when they um, illustrate the book of what the, the type looks like. And understand it has to be readable and um, that's that's really a major thing for, for kids to be able to read it, but you can still have some uh, fun, especially with the title and the book cover. So I thought, why don't I do all the type in my book, especially the first one. I, I really wanted to challenge myself to do 
the type uh, on the cover as well and on the inside. So I designed my own font. Um, I actually have the book here. Is it The Princess and the Pea or The Little Mermaid? Yep, I pulled it up. The Princess and the Pea. Uh, and The Little Mermaid is the second one that I'll be doing. Um, mm -hmm. So are these books that's available when I kind of started to, getting... to buy yes, or no? Yes, The Princess no? and the Pea is available. Mm -hmm. uh, the Princess and the Pea is available. If you go to my website in the under shop, you can uh, see it. And I have another one uh, published with uh, Gina and Taylor. She wrote the story. Uh, she was the editor of the magazine where I worked. Um, that one is the little girl who loves to twirl. Mm -hmm. And cool. uh, the Little Mermaid. I'm still working on that one. And then I'll have one more after that. Cool. Well. I'm going to leave the link up. So, um, but did you do all the type inside the Princess and the Pea like you're doing in the Little Mermaid? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how I'm going to do the Little Mermaid yet, but um, in the Princess and the Pea, I did create a font. I, I created calligraphy letters first and then scanned them, cleaned them up uh, in Illustrator, vectorized them, and then um, I actually put them in uh, one of the font making programs and a creative font so uh, it's yeah it's available out there um, it's a neat font but it needs a lot of work I, I have a, a whole a much bigger respect let's say <laughs> for type designers after doing my own font it, it just takes so much time to do all the kerning and stuff so thankfully I can just kind of adjust it when I see things um, not really working together but um, it's it, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable selling it quite yet for um, making it public. I think it needs a little bit more work, but I made it work for the book uh, and it created little drop caps too. Um, oh, cool. That's awesome. But this is the pro this is the project that you're working on currently now is the Little Mermaid, right? Right, right. And that kind of started a whole nother thing. Uh, and that's the nautical theme that kind of came through a lot of different pieces that I have. Um, I do like doing a lot of research before I start on something. Sometimes I get too much involved in it, <laughs> like I did with the nautical theme. Um, but I really wanted to figure out what style I'm going to do it in. And uh, for uh, the Princess and the Pea, I decided to go with uh, pen and ink drawings that I would scan. And for the Little Mermaid, I decided to go with graphite drawings that I scan and then color them on the computer too. So. So that way I have a little bit of a variety of... Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. Um, I wanted each book basically to be a little bit different in, in some way. So this is one thing that I think is just amazing. So I did not know this until I was talking to her earlier in the week, um, or last week, I guess, is that she's doing all these in the sketchbook, like even the Never Stop Learning. So, what size is your sketchbook? So I have some um, sketches here to share, and it's it's weird. I probably should create all of this on nice clean Bristol board, and I have it. I just don't use it because it's so nice and clean. <laughs> and um, I end up just doodling a lot, and a lot of these things that I've done were actual little doodles. The smallest that I've worked on was this. 
scale. And I definitely don't recommend working at this scale, but one of the pieces was, I don't know what this is, maybe four inches tall. Um, but most of them actually will be this scale. Um, okay. Uh, here's another one you've probably seen that was also done in the sketchbook. So a lot of times again, I start with a. But you're coloring um, all, start it with all in the computer. Yes, um, all of it is colored in the computer. I'm just so much quicker, um, and I change my mind so many times about different color schemes that I mean it would take me forever. If I was doing this in watercolors, which I love, um, I, it would take me forever, and it just I have to keep going. I have so much work to get done from MFA that I, I had to figure out really a quick way that works for me and I think that's the best way and so um, that one the one that you're showing is, is right here and so this just it was did it start small and then it just kept growing and then it became this or was it did it did it you was, have it planned it out started like this. it started like a list of things that I would like to research. Um, you can see the word list actually right here. And then there's uh -huh. this little thumbnail sketch of what I wanted to do, how I wanted to cram all those things together. And then um, I did, you can't see it here, but there was a pencil under drawing here. And then I just outlined it with uh, I think we can see some, you did, um, I'm gonna pull this one on. I think we can see some of the pencil in this. So you're working really lightly. It looks like really lightly in pencil. Are you using an H or a 2H, 3H? Or are you use, you're not using a B, are you? No, pencil? I think it's just HB, just a regular um, HB. But I, I always try to stay really light because I keep tweaking things and I might move things just a little bit and then I, I really don't want to have those pencil marks uh, showing too much. So uh, I, I do work lightly until I'm, I'm really sure what I want to do with it and, or outline it. And now this one you're working in blue. Like did you pull a blue indigo and, or is it black? It's black. It's black. It was just it, at some point it turned it blue, but it, it's all black. Well, it's all, it's it's great that it's blue, and this looks like an Instagram or something um, that you've taken, and and I love the details. Boy, that's something that's so meaty for for me as a designer to look and see. So you just and I asked you because I didn't know where Macedonia was when we first started talking. Um, this is you know you weren't like by the ocean, and you have this you know childhood by the sea kind of thing. You this is just something you were interested in and because so much of it is so nautical based right right so I mean I think it could be because I did not grow up near the sea I think I always wanted to be near the sea um, and I've only been a handful of times really uh, and I always have this I think it's perfect I, I, if I ever wanted to choose where I live I think I would live somewhere on an island or something um, and it, I think that was just some unreal wish that just kind of worked subliminally. <laughs> um, and I also got to research a lot of um, old sailor songs, um, and I just fell in love just with the whole culture of being in the sea and being far away from your family and just all the nostalgia and longing. 
and I think that kind of kind of struck home, I guess, just being far from home. I think that was probably the theme that kind of got me into it. Um, and, and I think that's why I even chose the Little Mermaid as um, the storybook to illustrate. I think I was just really into um, that kind of kind of tragic and melancholic story a little bit. Mm -hmm. So with so with your research and coming up with because your fish looks kind of similar they the fish your fish tend to be kind of pretty <laughs> um and i don't normally think a fish is super pretty but um but yours are so and the type you know and and you're using a calligraphy pen like where you're dipping your nib in and and drawing with it correct mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah I do how do you did you nibs that are used did you start off as a calligrapher or did you ever study calligraphy or was it just like this is what I like to draw and you would draw it out in pencil first and then you would just re like trace over your drawings? Well, I did want to use um, calligraphy based style of uh, type in my book. So I thought maybe it's not that hard and I can learn <laughs> within a summer. And so that's what it did. I just bought a, a bunch of books. Um, I have calligraphy in 24 hours and uh, <laughs> it did not take 24 hours. I can tell you that much. Um, Mastering Copperplate Calligraphy is another one. But uh, I bought several books and um, I didn't even know what uh, nibs are. I didn't even know that there's different types of nibs and they all give you different lines. and and I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted a nib that gives you from really thick line to a very thick line. And those are very flexible nibs. Well, I didn't know that until I bought a bunch of them and tested all of them. Uh, but I love internet. That's an, another thing. I think um, that that just really opened my eyes to all the possibilities. I would go on um, blogs that um, are maintained by uh, calligraphy artists that do wedding um, just like addresses and envelope um, addressing. And mm -hmm. some of them would share what tools they use and what nibs they use, and then I would test those out. Um, so I just kind of searched for all the information really until I figured out what it is that I want. Um, one style that I like to use now, um, I think it's 101 um, size. It's Speedball. Speedball 101, and is that what you said? Mm -hmm. It's it's very flexible, and there's another one, and I don't have the number here. The other kind is better for just drawing. Nikki Hoffman, who's one oh seven. Oh, okay. I know she's she's been doing. Um, I follow her on Facebook and. She's been drawing letters, and so I, Nikki, this is making me want to go and get my calligraphy pen and my different nibs to, so I don't know if you want to do this or not. You can write it in the chat, but it makes me want to do that for sure. But I know it it takes more than 24 hours, right, to learn calligraphy, or did you, are you an amazing student and you got it in less than 24 no, no. I mean, I'm I'm really far from being a master in this. I mean, I I, I understand the basics. I, I know what it takes, and I know how to do my own uh, Spencerian style 
um, I'm, I'm kind of faking it really, but um, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I'm, I'm far from being perfect at, at it really. It would probably take years to, to perfect it. Um, but I, I think I got it to a point where I can successfully use it for what I needed for, for my storybook. So did you kind of tweak or, or every, I mean, the princess and the pea looks a lot different than the little mermaid type. So are you, and your nautical type kind of looks different. So are you really catering it and, and really thinking about which type is appropriate for which thing you're doing? And how do you decide what, what are some of those decisions? Um, I think it's important to kind of uh, think of all the different elements that you're using in, in the design. So I, I knew that the princess and the pea was going to be inspired by kind of the illuminated manuscripts type of um, style of, of everything being kind of very elaborate and, and lots of flourishes and um, the drop caps being very elaborate too. So I, I kind of knew that the type has to be very fancy looking. Um, for The Little Mermaid, I, I think that there's going to be so much text. I didn't realize how long the original story is that I want to keep the type very simple and readable. And there'll be uh, pages that just have type with maybe a very fancy, some kind of a, uh, a border. But um, for that one, I'm probably going to tone down on the uh, decorative elements on the type uh, typeface that I use. But, um, as far as the, the book cover, I knew it had to fit the, the whole mood of being kind of underwater. And so I kind of created that kind of seaweed and algae type of typeface. <laughs> so then for something like that, again, you're doing all your coloring in the computer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Wow. Yeah, for that one, so um, this you can is... see here's the original. Mm -hmm. That was the original oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. drawing that I did for the Little Mermaid. Um, so wow, it was just the black type and white. is beautiful. I, uh, Thank you. Gosh, I mean, but you're studying like these old type. Are you looking at old, um, or I would think you would be, or are you just coming up with this on your own? Um, as far as just writing, like if I'm writing something, I, I think I can come up with several different styles of just lettering just on my own. Um, but if I'm really kind of paying attention to all the elements and if I want the type to fit a certain whatever a period or something that I'm doing, then I'll definitely do the research and, and I'm constantly researching type even when I'm just kind of doing nothing really when I'm watching TV. I'm always on the computer at the same time. Um, so I, I love Pinterest for that. Um, I, I pin a lot of stuff. So if you're interested to kind of see the same uh, things that I'm looking at, you can look at my boards. Um, I have a typography board on there. And um, one thing that wasn't available uh, recently that became available was uh, a lot of the libraries and museums are putting their uh, books that they have on file available in digital uh, version. So that really just kind of opened my eyes to just old vintage, vintage um, signage and lettering books and uh, decorative books of different uh, fields of like Art Nouveau and Art Deco, which are probably my two favorite uh, periods. So one uh, website that I often visit is called archive.org. And it has um, books on a variety of subject matters, but I found a lot of uh, 
lettering books on there too. Um, and it's just nice to look at book covers and just to kind of get a feel of what um, cover design looked at that age. A lot of books are, I mean, I found books from the 14 to 1500s. Some of the same books that I've studied in graphic design history, I, I opened my history book and then go online and look for them and I found them there really. Some of the first books that have been um, printed. That's cool. But I mean, like the type you drew for The Little Mermaid seems so planned out. I mean, not that this this one that's on screen right now doesn't seem planned. It does seem planned out, but it you, I mean, you made it look like it was The Little Mermaid one has that bevel and, you know, I mean, it's it really has that three-dimensional feel. So it just felt like to me that you were looking at some type specimens or something that was coming in more um, oh. that influenced that type. No, I, I, I don't know. I think it's just um, maybe subconsciously just different elements that your brain just kind of puts everything together in new ways, I think. Uh, maybe it's something that I've seen somewhere out there. I mean, there's so many great things that people have done through the years and it's just, I think you're going to do that on your own. Like if you're creative, you just start putting different elements in different ways and you come up with a different combination of things. You know? <laughs> well, I think I love that. I love that about what you did is that it does look different. Like your types look different and they don't all, it's not just, Oh, well, that's Viliana's stuff. You know, like it really, you're really taking into consideration all the elements and, and like with this piece, and I think you show this in your sketchbook, right? Um, but boy, things really change when you get into Photoshop and just those colors, you still make it look like it was watercolored and just the little, the details that you're doing with your, with your pen and ink really make such a difference when you're, you know, if, even if it was just that and it was flat color, so they're amazing. Thank you. Um, I really wanted with these pieces to continue to feel hand-drawn, even when they're colored digitally. I think it, it would destroy the piece if I added like vector color, like vector shapes and some bright solid color behind. So um, for that reason, I kind of worked in Photoshop to, to add different layers and um, some of the layers are set on multiply, which kind of allows for different uh, colors to mix together. Um, so I kind of did that intentionally to kind of keep it hand drawn and hand painted almost. So I, well, I, mean, I kind of tried to think of the computer differently now that it's just another tool. Like it, it, it helps me create things. Uh, it speeds up the process, but it doesn't have to look like it was created on the computer. Right. And I think some of those, those hand, those maybe what we would call mistakes in the old, you know, they would have cut them out or whatever, but now you leave them in. So it does have that, that touch that, that human touch has, you know, it's not been created by a computer, which I think is great. Yeah. So this is another one that um, is a more recent, I guess, piece. And it's, again, this beautiful blue, which I love this blue that you pull. And I'm so excited that they were actually black and that you put them in and you created this because it even looks weathered by um, the texture that you put in the background. I just, I just love it. So really this love of the nautical and this, your history of living, you know, being raised somewhere else and then coming over 
it has such an impact on, on you as an artist. So I think that's really cool. Do you want to talk about this piece at all? Or, or what makes you choose to color something more than not? Or just do something in two colors? Well, I, I don't decide about the colors until I see it on the computer. Just because it's too many decisions to begin with, and and I just want to worry and and have fun. Like I just I just want to work at one thing at a time. So uh, once I get on the computer, I I kind of try different combinations. But um, you kind of notice, and you mentioned this, that several of the pieces have this kind of deep indigo blue, and um, mm -hmm. I I don't know where that came from. I think it's just um, I love color and I'm very conscious when I choose color what uh, hue it is, what intensity it is and all of that and and, and I love color trends and I try to stay uh, on top of you know what colors are in, what are going out and what colors were used at a certain period or how you know in old books uh, things seem weathered and, and the blues will have a little bit of yellow because the paper is um, yellow as well. Um, so it's just I like those little elements that you can add in your work and, and make everything, even from the color to the type to the illustrations, kind of work and say one thing together. And um, so I, I don't know. Um, it, this this blue is kind of, um, it's it's not a happy blue. I think it's a little bit um, drab, I guess. It's, it's, it says what the, the words are saying. It's, it's kind of sad. <laughs> Well, it's beautiful, even though it's sad. Um, I think this is a detail of the one that we were just looking at. And then I can pull it because it's another beautiful fish. I mean, it looks like a girl fish, and she is, you know, she's pretty. <laughs> but I, I like how, how we can see your pencil marks here. And you, we can even see how your the S, the E, and the A changed. You moved them over slightly. Um, it's nice to see that process and I, you know, it, I guess it's the word believes or selves, I guess, above um, the pretty fish that you changed where you were putting your L, I think is really nice. Yeah, sometimes even later after I scan it, I notice uh, weird gaps between letters or um, I might like one letter and then where it's repeated, I just copy and paste the same letter and reuse it. Um, yeah, I, I try to keep editing things till last moment, really. Sometimes uh, it's, um, I also omit letters <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> um, but that's just uh, part of the process. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and I, I, um, when I had Nathan Yoder, I asked him that question. I said, gosh, you know, because he just goes straight. He doesn't do pencil at all anymore. And I was like, what if you misspell something? Like... A lot of designers aren't really great spellers. A lot of people aren't great spellers, okay. you know. So, yeah. so to me, and this isn't your native language, right? You were, didn't, do they speak English in Macedonia? So it's even harder for you. So it that to me would be, I mean, a lovely thing about Photoshop that we can omit and move and adjust. So. I would I yeah, would continue it's, it's if I were actually, you. Um, to yep. do it in pencil, yeah. <laughs> um, 
actually a, a lot of the things that I do have misspelled words and I catch them way too late after the whole piece is done and out there and um, so I kind of figured out that I'll just make that my signature style if something is misspelled you know it's by Liliana Kroll <laughs> <laughs> that's good I guess I should uh, make sure I spell everything right or maybe you'll get my credit no I'm just kidding I would probably not ever be as good as you but I'm I really like that you're showing us your process so I, I'm gonna share her Pinterest. I just already shared her Pinterest link but I think she's given me her Instagram as well so we all can follow her um, but I really like that. Like, it makes it feel like touchable, um, and that I it, it's a way for you to connect with other people who follow you, which I think is great. Um, I'm gonna put the original, and, yeah, the big I, one back. I definitely don't mind. Mm -hmm. I don't mind um, Go ahead. sharing my process. I think that's how I've learned. Uh, I've learned from other people that are grateful enough to put their tutorials online or um, put pictures on Instagram, and I think it's just really nice that uh, people feel comfortable enough to share things like that on the internet. Um, I, I don't think we should be that worried about people stealing our work. I mean, um, I think it's more likely that people will get to know your style and will ask you to do something rather than just steal it from you. Um, right. And they'll adapt, hopefully, to make right. it something of their own. But sometimes it's just learning a tool. So I, I agree. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I think that's... Um, something that makes us maybe good educators because um, we don't mind that but so so much of it was blue and so I told you I was gonna bring this piece I didn't bring the whole piece um, up but this is another circle a circular piece and I love this piece um, I, I the type is so different uh, it's not totally different but you've added so much extra little flourishes and then the the flowers and I mean it's just amazing to me and I love the details that you pulled in here do you want to talk a little bit about this um, this quote um, I've had it for a long time in the sketchbook and I always imagined it like this I imagined with this kind of brighter uh, center and then everything kind of originating from the center it just that's what it said to me and I just I never had the time to do it until uh, the past summer a year ago I guess when um, I had to kind of do research and do different styles of illustration to kind of figure out what I'm going to be doing for my storybooks and uh, so I ended up doing this in the sketchbook I might even have it somewhere here and um, the style was inspired actually by a book that I purchased a long time ago and I have it here um, it's by Alfonso Mucha um, Art Nouveau Designs in Color. It's a really old book and it's a reproduction. And I noticed there's a lot of uh, different Art Nouveau elements and stuff, but the idea of the circle is being one complete uh, unit, just one thing, one whole, uh, was something that kind of attracted me. And I, I thought this quote would be perfect to be featured in a circle. Um, so that's how that design came about, just everything kind of originating from that one center um, the quote and, and all the birds and the flowers and everything uh, kind of starting from that one point are these flowers that you're you're seeing in your daily life in Asheville or are these um, that you're researching and you're finding these flowers online or or in a book or something like that 
Well, um, I finally got to plant my own garden. So I, I do have a lot of flowers, some of the same ones that are featured here. But um, one flower that probably uh, kind of influences and shows up in most of my work is the peony. And I love peonies and they're just about to bloom in my garden too. So I can't wait. Um, so I'll take a bunch of pictures and maybe do something with those pictures too. Uh, but flowers in general, I think they kind of remind me of home. Um, we did have a garden when I was growing up and um, my mom, she loves flowers. She always has flowers on the balcony and stuff. So it's just something that I love is a design detail and the symbolism that goes with it of life and um, gifts nature um, things like that so I, I i included a lot in my designs too that's nice i like this piece the last one i don't know we don't have a lot of time but this piece is another book um it's just it's very different um very much so structured which i love that I love what you said earlier, you know, about being flexible and as a designer and an illustrator, it's about having different styles. It, it does make you more marketable for sure, but it also doesn't make, you know, you don't get stuck in this one style. And your people are always beautiful, They're, but she looks differently. Her face has a different feel. She does sort of look sad, but she's not in the blue. Um, but can you talk a little bit about this and how different this one is? Well, for the third book, I wanted to do something that feels personal again. And I, I was looking for some stories that maybe I grew up with that I've heard as a kid. And this was one of those stories, Vasily said the beautiful. And it kind of is a sad story. Um, one thing that I didn't mention um, about the books, I wanted to choose uh, fairy tales that don't necessarily represent uh, princesses that are like the Disney style of princesses. Um, these are a little bit more kind of raw or real sounding people that, you know, uh, may go through trials and tribulations and um, then they figure out their own way how to get through it. Um, so uh, Vasilis is a beautiful, it's kind of a Cinderella type of story, but uh, I wanted to do it in a little bit of different style with uh, lots of decorative elements from uh, Macedonian traditional uh, dresses and uh, different traditional cultural uh, heritage things that we've had. And this past winter, I ended up going to a museum uh, we were visiting in Macedonia, and um, I saw a lot of uh, actual costumes that were on exhibit there. So uh, the costume that she's wearing is partially inspired by some of the things that I saw there uh, of the elements that Macedonian women wore. And that the same thing with the design behind it in the background there. Oh, then cool. again, so it's, it's probably going to end up having some Art Nouveau elements in there because <laughs> I, I love Art Nouveau. So it might be some kind of a, a blend of things. <laughs> well, cool. I mean, it it definitely is very different from the Disney style. I love that. I love that it's different and you're you're doing something really cool. So. All of these books are going to be on, and I'm going to put it up right now, Haven Told, right? And they mm -hmm. aren't all there yet, but The Princess and the Pea is, correct? Right, uh, yeah. And you can view uh, pictures of the process, the different uh, stages of how I've created some of the illustrations. There's pictures um, on there of each book as far as there are at this point. 
and uh, there's also a link to the uh, printed version of Princess and the Pea. And that's where basically the, the books are going to live. Another thing that I didn't mention, actually, I, I want these to be digital. So I'll be turn, turning them into digital apps for, and, and I'm, I'll be putting them on iTunes too. So they'll have sounds and, and uh, narration, a little bit of animation. Wow. Um, I already got the music. Well, I don't know anything about music, but I got people <laughs> to, uh, to play a few tunes for me that I can use for, for the books. Well, you're in Asheville. There's a lot of music there, so. Right, right. Um, yeah, so I, <laughs> I want to share some of the other ways people can get in touch with you. So I want them to be able to buy the poster eyeball. Um, let me put this um, up. This is um, her Instagram. If you want to follow her on Instagram, I am following her now. So. Very simple, just type it in, you'll be able to see her, connect with her in that way. And then I believe, let me remove this from the screen. And so Society6 is, she has a, a bunch of stuff there. Um, and that's where that never learning, never stop learning, never learning, don't learn, um, never stop learning poster is. And a bunch of other posters are there as well. And, and you can get them small. Um, you know, I think the smallest is like eight by ten or something. So it doesn't have to be a huge poster. But they're very affordable. And then um, this was something else. I don't know um, what this was exactly, but mm -hmm. can you talk about the art house? Art house. I think they're based in California, and they just um, invited me to become one of their uh, featured artists. Um, I signed up a licensing agreement with them. To feature some of the stuff that I've done uh, that you've showed here to be printed on uh, repurposed wood um, and they look amazing on wood I think they were always meant to be on wood <laughs> and so uh, when I got to see them I, I think they totally make sense being printed like that but they have a variety of sizes I think um, and you can find them on, on that website yeah. cool um, let me see I think we have um, well I'm going to put your um, website up again. And how did you start selling? Like, what was the decision? And that'll be, I guess, our last question. But um, what what was that decision to do to do that? And was it hard, or was it pretty easy? Or um, I don't know how that happened. I think it just kind of happened naturally. Um, I ended up redoing my whole website recently, and all this work ended up being featured on my website and I thought, well, uh, it would be nice to get some money for it. It's already done. I put a lot of work in it. <laughs> and then um, it, they actually took off from Society6. I, I think a lot of people found me through the website and it's been a really interesting journey actually. I, I kind of decided, uh, I always wanted to do, um, one of my projects was to do t-shirts that feature different designs that I've done and maybe all the proceeds would go to a nonprofit. And I never got around doing that, but um, this website kind of allows me to do that now. <laughs> I end up putting all my stuff and there's really, I don't have to um, put any money ahead or I don't have to keep a bunch of prints and t-shirts in the storage or anything. I think it does all that for me. So it's a great way um, to, to get my work out there really fast. and to get money and um, uh, 
the proceeds, all the proceeds from the stuff on Society6 go to different nonprofits. And Society6, another thing that it does, it links to a PayPal, and PayPal donates 100% of the proceeds that you want to donate to a ton of different nonprofits um, out there. So it makes it really easy. You just click a button and they all go wherever they need to go. Well, that's cool. That's really awesome. Um, and I think it's great that you're giving back. So that's amazing. So I think I've put everything up there um, that you sent me. And remember, this is our website. Thank you guys so much. Again, you can always follow me too. Here's Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you're not, please sign up for our mailing list. I don't inundate you and I will never sell my list if you are just tuning in and watching. Um, it's designrecharge.org. I have a flip up thing right now. I don't think I'm gonna leave it. I think that'll be on each individual uh, video, but it won't be on every page like it is right now. It's annoying me. Um, but just sign up, put your email, your um, your what uh, e your name and your email address, and I will just email you stuff. Um, but you can also follow me on Twitter. I have two Twitter accounts. One's really for my design firm. That's Diane Gibbs AU, and then one's Design Recharge. So pick a pick a place. And then again, also you can always find me at designrecharge.org. I will be hopefully freecasting from home the rest of the semester, or for the rest of the semester. The semester's over. The rest of the summer. Because um, I'll be working from home there. I'm not teaching this summer. I don't know if you're teaching. Diana, are you teaching this summer? No, just working on my own project. Me too, yeah, me too. So I, I am so excited. I can't wait to get my nibs. And I'm going to make sure I have a 107 and a 101. And I'm going to get busy. So I hope you guys do too. And I hope you guys will join us next week. Um, kind of on a different side. Um, but still doing um, tight drawing type and hand lettering um, join us next week for um, Zachary Smith um, a really young designer um, who's really been doing great about getting marketing stuff out there and we're going to talk about that for being so young he's really got a great a great eye um, and Biliana thank you so much your stuff is it is uh, Nikki said it was beautiful and it it is totally I hope you guys get a poster or something because I had to have a piece of it I can't wait to hang that stuff up. And I hope to see you guys all. If you're in Central Time like me, you're in, um, it's at 1.30. And in your Eastern Time, it's 2.30. And if you're Pacific, 11.30. And Mountain, I'm mixing them all up today, 12.30. So I will see you all, all next week. And Biliana, thank you so much again for being our guest. Thanks, Anne. Bye. Bye.